your Bibles, grab your Bibles, remain standing for just a moment. Just a moment. Turn with me to the New Testament. To the New Testament over there to the book of Mark. Matthew, Mark. Second book in the New Testament. I believe it's Mark chapter number 9 is what we're looking for. We're going to read just a verse. Verse or two. And, and, and then we're going, to, we're going to jump over there to Luke chapter number 8. Alright? So, so just hold your hand in Luke chapter number 8. And, and flip over there to Mark chapter number 9. And we're going to read just a, a few verses here today. Isn't it good to be saved? Uh, here in Mark chapter number 9, we find a situation where a man has a son who is demon-possessed. He's got issues. He's got problems. He brings him to the disciples and hoping to get some help, hoping to find healing and, 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 and help his son. Well, they were not successful at, at, at accomplishing the task. Jesus comes to them and, and, and finds out what's going on. And, and, and the man comes to Jesus and cries out to Jesus and says, Man, I need some help. I'm in a bad way. I have not been able to find anybody that could help my son. I brought him to your disciples and they couldn't help him. I need some help in a bad, bad way. Well, Jesus tells him in verse number 23. Verse number 23, Mark 9, 23. Are you there? Say amen. Jesus said unto him, if, that's a big word sometimes. I mean, it's small, but boy, it's big sometimes. Are y'all with me? If thou canst believe, all things are possible. Say that with me. One more time, real loud. To him that believeth. Man, that's a great promise. If you have a red letter edition Bible, that's Jesus talking. That's red letters. Jesus said, if you can believe, now he's speaking to the man with the problem. Y'all with me? He says, if you can believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. How many of y'all know there's a lot that's in that Bible? That's easy preaching. But hard living. This guy, he says to Jesus, straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe. I mean, he's emotional. He, he is distressed. He is distraught over the situation. Man, he's, he's come to the end of his rope. If, he, if Jesus can't help him, he's not going to get no help. Lord, I believe. But help my unbelief. I don't know about you. I wish I was as spiritual as a lot of people. And you may be more spiritual than me. But I can relate to this old boy. I can relate to the, to the places in my life where I know I was supposed to have more faith. I know I was supposed to trust more. I know I was supposed to believe more. And, and, and I did. And I, I believed that God could. And, and, and maybe it was did I believe that God would. But there's been times in my life that, that my faith has been overshadowed by my doubt. There's been times in my life where I wanted to believe and I truly knew I needed to. And I, I could quote you the verse. I could quote you, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding, but in all thy ways acknowledge him and he shall direct thy path. I could quote this verse. All things are possible to him that believeth. Hey, I could quote all of these things. There's been times in my life, I'm not going to lie. I can be this man and say, Lord, I do, I believe. 
boy, there's a part of me that's really having problems. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying? Here's the question. Do you believe? Do you believe? We'll never see a miracle until we learn to believe. We'll never see God move in a way that He is desiring to move in our lives till we can answer this question. Do you believe? And not just that. This is what we're going to do today. This is what we're going to do today. Not necessarily try to answer the question, do you believe? Because I honestly, I really truly believe that most of us in here, the majority of people in here, in some form or fashion, some way or another, we do believe. We do believe. Could we say amen right there? But I think we could all say, well, there's parts of me sometimes that just has problems. What do we do? What do we do when we believe but we're struggling with unbelief. What do we do when we're trying to have great faith, but it seems like we have more doubt? What do we do? That's what we're going to talk about today. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for your blessings, your kindness, your mercy. God, help us to to, to glean from your word. Help us to receive something from you today that's going to help us be better Christians today than we were yesterday. I pray that something will be said today, something will be done today for that one that's the furthest away from you. The Lord will make them want to come home. I pray for that one that doesn't even believe in you, that today you will touch their heart. I pray that you'll move in such a way. I pray, oh God, that it will be obvious that you're real, that you are relevant in our lives today, that this is not just a fairy tale. This is not just a figment of someone's imagination. Lord, I pray that your perfect will be done. Move in an awesome way. God will thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. In this time of desperation when all we know is doubt and fear there is only one foundation we believe we believe in this broken
There's one thing that will help you believe the present is to look what he did in the past. It, you know, I, I was we flew into Guadalajara, Mexico. Uh, one year we went on a, a, a missions trip, and we we all the guys in the in the missions team we all decided we was gonna climb that mountain. We flew in, you could see it there, and it was right beside the village we was gonna be staying in, and we was all you know tough and smart, and we was something else, and. And, and, and we were too dumb to take water with us on an all-day trip. Uh, 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 no, no canteen, no bottles of water, no nothing. And how many of y'all know, you can't drink the water in Mexico. Say amen. Don't even ask me how I know that truth right there. Are y'all with me? We, get, we was walking and walking and walking. We left the village, and, and, and we were going. And, and, man, I was excited. Everybody was excited. How many of y'all know when you start on a journey, there's a lot of excitement till it gets to be work? Well, we finally, we were walking and walking and walking and walking and walking. And I just got, I just got fed. I said, look, man, when are we ever going to get to the mountain? Because the whole time we'd been walking, it was a gradual incline the whole time. He said, turn around and look behind you. And we turned around, and boy, that village was way down there. You know what I think? I think sometimes the devil will constantly remind us of where we have not reached yet. 
He will constantly tell us, you haven't arrived. Look at that. Look how much further you got to go. Boy, it's getting steeper and steeper. You ain't never going. You know what I think? Sometimes God just says, hey, turn around. Yes, you're not where you ought to be, but you're not where you used to be. Come on, give him praise. Hey, we got a long way to go. I can look back, I can look back at those pictures and I can think and I can reminisce and, and man, it, it's cool to get to look at that stuff and look what God has done and look where God has taken us step by step and down through the journey. But we can't get hung up in that because we still gotta go forward. Are y'all with me? Say amen. Do you believe? What do we do? What do we do when we struggle? Because unbelief is a killer. When it comes to seeing God move in our life, unbelief is a killer to faith. It is a killer to God moving. You say, prove it. Well, in, in the book of Psalms, in the book of Psalms, uh, chapter number 78, I, I'll just read these to you. You can go look them up later. Uh, but in Psalm 78, it kind of gives a witness of what the nation of Israel went through when they came out of Egypt, went through the wilderness, and headed to the promised land, and what God wanted to do with them, but God couldn't do for them. Watch this. Psalm 78, verse 19. Yea, they spake against God, They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? What are we going to do? We're out here. There's there's a million people out in the middle of a desert. There's not a Shoney's nowhere. What are we going to do? We don't have any food. We don't have any way to make any food. What are we going to do? Can God help us now? And we know he did. Say amen. Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against Jacob and anger also came up against Israel. Because, verse 22, because they believed not in God. They trusted not in his salvation. For all this they sinned still and believed not for his wondrous works. How oft did they provoke him in the wilderness and grieve him in the desert. Yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. Say that word with me. And. Say it again. And. Limited. That word literally means take your foot put it in the sand and draw a line and say, this is how far we're going to go. Do you realize there is not a limit to what God can do, but there is a limit to what God will do? It is limited by our unbelief. How much would God do? How much does God want to do in our life? But he's, listen, his hands are tied not by his ability, but by our unbelief. It says that Jesus in his own hometown, in his own hometown, it says a prophet is not without honor except in his hometown. They didn't believe him. He grew up there. He was still little Jesus. Anytime I go back to Fort Pierce, Florida, I'm still little Malcolm. Even though I outweigh my dad by 30 pounds now, I'm still little Malcolm. Because you know why? Because I grew up there. I was the little kid. Jesus had the same problem in his own town. And you know what the Bible says? He couldn't do very many miracles there because of their unbelief. Jesus was just as powerful there as he was in Jerusalem, as he was in Capernaum, as he was on the, listen, the Sea of Galilee. He had the same ability. He had the same skill. He had the same power of God upon him. But he was limited because of the people's unbelief. Wow. Listen, unbelief is a killer. Matthew chapter 17. The same story I read in the beginning of the man who brought this young man to the disciples for them to help him and heal them. When they were unsuccessful, they came to Jesus and said, in in Matthew 17, 19, then came the disciples to Jesus apart and said, why could not we cast him out? Jesus said unto them, because of your unbelief. 
For verily I say unto you, if ye have faith as a grain of a mustard seed, ye shall say unto this mountain, Remove hence to yonder place, and it shall remove, and nothing shall be impossible unto you. Howbeit this kind cometh not out, or goeth not out, but by prayer and fasting. What is he saying? Everybody says, well, if I had that amount of faith, it's not about an amount. It's not about an amount. You know, a mustard seed is very tiny. It's very small. And, and I, I've, some people have interpreted this or have preached this. And, and when I was a little kid, I thought this. You know, if we had just that much faith, we could do the impossible. That's not what he's saying. He didn't say the size of their faith. He didn't say, because I guarantee you, I got a mustard size. Come on, people. How many of y'all would agree you got that, at least that much? I've been in church my whole life. Amen? What he's saying, do you have the kind of faith that will grow? Do you have the kind of faith that is like a seed? You can put a pebble in the ground. It won't do anything. But if you put a seed in the ground and you cultivate that thing, you water that seed, you take care of that and fertilize that seed, that seed will grow up into something powerful, into something great. And what God is saying, do you have the kind of faith that will grow? Are you, are you cultivating your faith in your life so that you can do greater things 10 years from now than you can do today? If you're in the same place in your Christian walk today as you were the first day you got saved, shame on you. Your faith is supposed to grow. Your faith is supposed to blossom. Your faith is supposed to expand and become greater. Are y'all with me? Say amen. But a lot of times it doesn't. A lot of times it doesn't. A lot of times we run into problems. A lot of times we run into obstacles. A lot of times we run into issues that causes our faith to fizzle. And I'm not going to lie. I've been there. I've been there. Sometimes I struggle. There are times, there have been times in my life when I, I should have had more faith. I should have believed God. I shouldn't have worried about the situation. I can quote, trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. I can quote, God is our refuge and strength and a present help in trouble. I can quote, he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He'll be closer than a brother to me. I can quote all of that. But there's been times, I ain't going to lie, my faith was a little weak. And I can relate, I'm, you know, I can relate more, I can relate more to the guy who was honest with Jesus when he said, listen, I do believe. Boy, there's a part of me that just... Can anybody relate to that? All right, if that's the case, what do we do? What do we do when sometimes our, our doubt seems greater than our faith? What do we do? I want to give you three things, but... I want to take you to a different story. I want to take you over to the book of Luke. I think it's, I think it's chapter number 8. Luke chapter number 8 and verse number 40. Uh, I'm, I'm not going to read it to save time because I, I really want to get to the points. But let me, let me just give you, let me give you the synopsis of this particular story. We find there is a man who comes to Jesus whose name is Jairus. He comes to Jesus and he's got a daughter that is sick. The Bible says she's lay a dying. In other words, she is in bad, bad shape. 
it's not, it's not that she's got a fever. It's not that she just has an affection. She is going to die. If something doesn't take place, if something doesn't happen, if Jesus doesn't come in on the scene, something, it's going to be bad. So he comes to Jesus. He's been hearing about Jesus. He's been hearing about miracles. He's been hearing about this Messiah. He's been hearing about this, peop- this person that walks on water, this person who takes one little lad's lunch and feeds thousands of people. He's heard about this man who will spit in somebody's eye and they can see again. He's heard about this miracle worker from Nazareth. So he says maybe he can help. The doctors can't help. Listen, I'm at my wit's end. Maybe Jesus can help. So he picks up and goes to Jesus. He comes to Jesus and falls at Jesus' feet and says, please help me. My daughter is sick. I need you to come and touch my daughter. I need you to come help me. How many of y'all know if it's your kid is serious? If it's your kid is serious. How many of you, how many of you, maybe you're like me, I, 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 I don't know, maybe it's just me. How many of you, it seems like it's easier to pray for a miracle for someone else than it is your own self? Here he is, I need help. All right, Jesus is on the way. He says, let's go, let's, 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 let's take care of the situation. So they're on their way, they're on their way to the miracle And then all of a sudden, there's a crowd around him. They're thronging him. I mean, they're just all over the place. You can imagine. And out of the crowd comes a woman who has an issue of blood. She's been hemorrhaging for 12 years. And she comes to Jesus. And by the way, it was unlawful. She had to take a great risk to get to Jesus. Uh, What are you saying, preacher? Sometimes it takes a risk to get what you need. She comes to Jesus and touches the hem of his garment falls down at his feet. There's something about the feet of Jesus. Some of y'all are too arrogant. You try to get in his face like uh, Martha did, but if you'll just find his feet, something about that, amen. And the Bible says she's healed immediately. The moment she touches the hem of his garment, the moment she touches the Lord, she is healed immediately. And Jesus said, who touched me? The disciples, they couldn't figure that out. We mean who touched me? Can't you see all these people around us? Man, there's a crowd of people. He said, oh, no, 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 no. There's something different about this touch. I have felt virtue come out of me. Somebody touched me. And here she comes trembling and afraid. And oh, man, Jesus changed her life forever. Forever. He said, you're healed, forgiven, so forth and so on. Now, so they continue on their journey. Now, by this time... The servants have left the house because the the maiden has died. Now here's here's the thought. What do you do? What do you do when on the way to your miracle, somebody interrupts? Can you rejoice with somebody else's miracle before you get yours? That's tough, isn't it? Let me, let me illustrate that. Here you are praying that God will move on your situation and then somebody else down the pew from you says, oh, let me tell you what God did for me while you're still praying for yours. Sometimes that's tough, amen? Well, here comes the, here comes the servant. The servant gets to Jesus and, and Jairus and says, look, there's no sense in bothering the master anymore. She's, she's died. Can you imagine his heart? Can you imagine... Can you imagine what he felt? I, I, I can't even, I mean, it just doesn't even register in my heart. What, what he had to felt the moment that he said, he said, your, your daughter is dead. 
I, I can't even imagine it. And all of a sudden, Jesus, whoa, 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 hey, 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 fear not. Fear not, just believe. Hey, just believe. I know what it looks like. I know what he said. I know what things, listen, I, I, I know, but just believe. And they get to the house and people are wailing. I mean, in that culture, in that day, they, they, they went right on into the funeral situation. Are y'all with me? They didn't wait. They didn't, they were, wasn't three days later. They go right into wailing and mourning and grieving and, and, and doing the whole process right away. So here this house is full of people that are grieving. They are broken. They are crying. And they, they're doing the whole bit. I mean, just going after it. And, and, and Jesus said, hey, guys, it's okay. It's okay. Don't worry. She's just sleeping. Well, the Bible says they laughed him to scorn. I mean, they just mocked and made fun of him. And you know what the Bible says? Jesus put them all out. He said, y'all got to go. <laughs> took the mother and father, took them in the room, told the maiden to lay the kumai, which means damsel arise. In other words, get up. And she got up and he healed her. Somebody say amen right there. Now, what do we take from this? There's three things I want you to take from this. When it comes to a struggle with belief, say, preacher, I want to believe, but I, I'm just having a hard time. I, I want to have faith, but I'm struggling with it. I, I, I want to I be that person of great faith. Well, here's three things I want you to write down real quick, and, and we'll be done. In order to have the faith that's necessary to find what we need in life, to see and experience the miracles that God truly wants us to have in life, the first thing it takes is this. Number one, write this down. It takes relationship. Write that down. This is so important. Please get this. This is so important. Do you realize no matter how many reports that Jairus had heard about Jesus, those reports did not do a blessed thing for his daughter? No matter how many times that he heard that Jesus had healed the blind, that Jesus had healed the lame, that Jesus had healed the dumb, that Jesus had raised the dead, that Jesus had turned water into wine, that Jesus had walked on water, that Jesus had turned one lad's lunch and fed thousands of people with it, no matter how many times he heard that Jesus stood on a bow of a ship and looked at the storm that was raging, looked at the wind that was blowing, looked at the lightning that was flashing, and said, Peace be still. It didn't matter how many times he heard those stories, that didn't heal his daughter. It wasn't until he got up and came to Jesus. Preacher, what are you saying? You can hear about him all you want. You can attend church all you want. You can read every article. You can read every document. You can read every page of the Bible. But if you don't meet on a personal basis the author of the Bible, it won't do you a blessed good. I've heard, I've heard hoodlum people, hoodlum people that act, act the fool all the time. I, somebody said this and said, preacher, you just wouldn't believe it. They could quote half the Bible. And you know what I told them? They need to meet the one that wrote it. You can quote every verse you want to quote, but until you meet the author, until you know who it is that wrote it. Oh, somebody say amen. It takes a relationship. 
You will never have faith till you have a relationship with Him. But preacher, it takes faith to have that relationship. Do you realize that faith is something God's already given you? It is faith that comes from God that gives us the ability to be saved. For by grace are you saved through faith that not of yourself. It is a gift of God. It is a gift, but you have to do something with the faith that you already have. You've got to have a relationship. You can't know about him. You need to know him. Samuel is a great illustration of this. Samuel, how many of y'all remember the prophet Samuel in the Old Testament? Hannah was his mother. Hannah was desperate for a baby. She wanted a baby bad. I mean, she was barren. She'd been praying and praying and praying and praying and, and finally made this promise. Said, God, if you'll just give me a baby, I'll give him back. And buddy, she meant it. When she weaned Samuel, guess what she did? She brought him back to the temple and gave him uh, to the high priest, and he grew up in the temple. She literally gave him back to God. Now, I'm all about dedicating your children, but don't leave them here. I got enough on the feed bill. Say amen. I mean, she brought him to the temple and left him there. And so he grows up in the temple. He grows up serving God. He grows up hearing all about God. He grow, and he could probably tell you anything you want to know all of his life. He's done nothing but hear about God, serve God. I, when I say he lived at church, I mean he lived at church. But guess what? There came a day in his life that God called his name. It's one thing for you to call his name, but it's another thing for him to call your name. Samuel, Samuel. Well, he jumps up. He thinks it's Eli. He runs to Eli, his guardian, the high priest. He says, hey, did you call me? I didn't call you. Go back to bed. All right. He goes back to bed, gets back in bed. All of a sudden, God called him again. Samuel, Samuel. Oh, my goodness. Eli's called. Yeah. Uh, uh, he said, man, I didn't call you. Go back to bed. So he comes. About that third time, about that third time, God called Samuel, Samuel. He gets up and he goes back to Eli. And Eli, he gets it. Now, whoa, this is the Lord. And let me tell you what your Bible says. Your Bible, my King James Bible says this. For Samuel did not yet know. K-N-O-W. He did not yet, help me, he did not yet, the Lord. He's serving him. He's working for him. Wow. What does that tell you? It tells you this. You can know about him and not know him. Do you realize Samuel is a picture of my life? I grew up a kid in church. My dad was a pastor. There was no question whether we was going to church. You, you're going to church. I mean, it, 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 I mean, strict, conservative, all about it, committed. We was in church. He made sure. Went to Christian school. Had to probably learn the books of the Bible before I could even really learn to read. New, new verses and quoted verses, memorized verses. I mean, everything you can imagine. Sunday school teachers used to ask me what certain words in the Bible were. I knew the Bible. But one day, I heard a sweet voice saying, Hey, 
What do you mean, hey? Because see, I was a little preacher boy. I had the cowboy boots. I had the suit. I had, I had the Bible that was half the size I was, and I carried it around. The little ladies, the old ladies in church would have me in, pinch me right on the cheeks. Her name was Granny King. And she'd always say, this is my little preacher boy. This is my little, my aunt and uncle sitting in the back, they can tell you, I'm telling you, the God's honest truth. And you know what? I was lost as a goose. I knew all about God. I could tell, I was familiar with him, but I never had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ until the day he called my name and he said, Malcolm, Malcolm. And I had to submit to his authority and realize that my religion was not good enough. My Bible knowledge was not good enough. My church attendance was not good enough. My Sunday school attendance was not good enough. Having a daddy for a preacher was not enough. Having a shouting mama was not enough. I had to come and know him as my personal Savior. And some of you are religious. And some of you, it's not, it's not that you need to do better or be better. You just need to know him. You need to come to him and submit to him and say, Oh, God, I want to know you. I want to believe in you with all of my heart. I need to know you personally. You don't need a miracle. You need the greatest miracle of all, and that's salvation. Preacher, you don't know how long I've gone to church. I don't care how long you've gone to church. You, do you know him. Yes, yeah, it's, it's tight right now, isn't it? Well, how do I know? You know. Because right now the Holy Spirit's power driving your heart. It's not no heart murmur. We don't need we don't have to break out the blood pressure machine. You're not you're not having an you're not having an episode. It's the Holy Spirit dealing with you. And there was days I'd sit in church and I'd think, oh God, oh Lord, I hope that preacher hurries up and shuts up. Because I'm dying out here. Can anybody relate to what I'm talking about? If he could just shut up in a hurry and let me get out of this building, I'm going to feel better. I'm going to get out of here and I won't have to hear about this. And this stuff, this stuff in my heart will go away. And I found out he knew my address. How many of y'all know God will, God will go home with you? Thank God. He'll go to work with you. He'll go to school with you. You may hear it on Sunday, but you're going to hear it again on Monday because the Holy Spirit's going to say, you remember what that preacher said? That preacher said, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. The Bible says, oh, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. And that Holy Spirit's beating me in my heart saying, I don't care how much religious you are. I don't care how long you've gone to church. You're a sinner. And the sinner is in need of a Savior. Sin has to be paid for. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. I'd get up and leave the Room and he is following me, saying, I'm, I'm going where you are. You might as well submit this morning. Somebody say, Man. Hey. And you know the craziest thing? When I finally said, I said, I'm tired of running. Lord, please. I don't care what people think of me. I don't care about being embarrassed anymore. It doesn't matter. I know they all think I'm the little preacher boy, but I'm, I, I'm not saying I need to be saved. When I just gave it up and said, Lord, I surrender. Whoo. 
And you know what I thought? Well, that was dumb. Why in God's name did I take this long? Let me tell you, the only regret somebody has when they get saved is they didn't do it sooner. That would have saved a lot of sleepless nights. Laying in bed, thinking, man, if I fall out of this bed, and don't dare stick a leg out from underneath them covers, say amen. Devil's going to grab me and snatch me. Listen, maybe we need to stop praying for a miracle and just say, Lord, I just need to be saved. I need to know you. Jairus would have never got anything or anywhere with God until he got up and came to him. But let me, let me give you some, some good news. You don't have to come to him because he's already come to you. You just got to receive him. And all God's people see it. All right, let's hurry. I, I took too long right there, but somebody needs that. So <clears throat> number number two. Number two, you say, preacher, I'm already saved. That first point didn't help me a bit. I'm already a believer. Okay, number two, if we're going to have the kind of faith that is a miracle-producing faith, we have to have a relationship. There's got to be a relationship, but then there's got to be fellowship. Fellowship. Look what happens. All right, he meets the Lord. He has an encounter with the Lord. And, And let's just say that's an illustration of salvation. He, has a per- he begins a personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, uh, he knows the Lord personally now. It's not that he heard of him. He has met him. Say amen right there. Well, now they are walking along to Jairus' house, and they are walking, listen, together. And all of a sudden, we see a miracle take place. In the middle of his journey, now watch this. In the middle of his journey with Jesus, Miracles begin to happen. Y'all didn't get it. Do you realize when you walk with Jesus, you're going to get to see some stuff? (laughs) Watch this. Watch this. Do you know what we do in life group? We do something that's called praises and prayers. Praises and prayers. Before the life group starts, we do praises. Something God has done for us this week. And at the end, at the end, we do prayer requests. Something that we need God to do for us this week. And here's what we got to do, guys. I I, I don't want to be mean, but I want to be blunt here and straight with you. How many of y'all can take it? How many of y'all grown-up people, you can take this. Some of us need to quit being fake. Here's, here's what we do. In order to not be real anymore, in order not to be vulnerable anymore, not, not to be, uh, you know, we'll say, uh, for our praise, thank God I'm saved. For our prayer request, I'm just praying God will save the lost. Come on, man. Can't we move past that? What about, what about, if God don't move in my medical situation this week, it's going to be bad. What about, what about if God don't help me and my wife with this, this issue? It's, it's just, 
we're in, we're in a rough way. Or if, 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 if I don't get help spiritually in my mind, I think I'm going to go crazy. I, you see, when you're honest, it makes you vulnerable. But guess what? God hates fake. Do you want me to tell you when God really moves in a person's life? When they get honest. When they quit try, when they take the mask off and quit playing church. Quit playing the church Ken and the church Barbie. When they quit with that facade and they just get real. And they say, God, I'm messed up. I've got a messed up life. I've got messed up issues in my life. I don't know how I'm going to turn it around. I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, guess what? That's the kind of situation that God gets involved in. When you act like you've got it all together and you ain't nothing wrong in your life and you ain't got no problems, no, 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 no. Listen, we begin with praises. Let me tell you what God did this week. Can you imagine the life group that Blake Lee and Weston was in when they told that story about that plane ticket? Let me tell you what God did. Now watch, watch, this is how this works. You say, what does that got to do with miracles? What does that got to do with miracles? When you're sitting in a life group and you hear a prayer request this week and next week somebody says, let me tell you. You remember that thing I asked y'all to pray about? You remember that job I was looking for? Remember that job I asked God to give me? Woo, I'm hired today. Say amen. What happens when you see God perform a miracle Before your very eyes, your faith blossoms. I wonder what kind of faith Jairus would have had if he hadn't seen that woman with the issue of blood get healed right in front of him. Let me say this. This is not really in the notes, but God helped me with this this morning, and I need everybody to get this. Your miracle is not always just about you. Let me say it again. Your miracle is not always just about you. Let me, can, can, did y'all keep that first or second Corinthians chapter 1? Did y'all keep that? Go to verse 2. Go to verse 2. Look at this. This is really cool. This is really cool. Grace be to you and peace from God our Father and from the Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. Watch this. Verse number, verse number 3. Blessed be God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies, And the God of all what? Comfort. Now watch this. Watch verse 4. Who comforted us in all our tribulation. That. That word right there tells me he's got a purpose for it. He's got a reason for moving and intervening in our lives and our situation. He has a reason for doing miracles in our life. Watch this that we may be able to comfort them which are in any trouble. How? How? By the comfort wherewith we ourselves are comforted of God. What does that mean? Here's the deal. The Bible says, let the redeemed of the Lord... Say it again. Say it again. Say so. If God's done something for you, say so. When Blakely and Weston come up to me, I'm frying fish. I'm minding my own business. Say amen. And the fish was good too. Hey. And I'm sitting there doing my thing. I, and, and, and they come up and they're standing beside of me. I'm thinking, these moochers want free fish. 
And they said, Preacher, listen, we, you've been talking about miracles and, and everything that's been going on. Man, it's been cool and everything. Man, you, you, let me tell you what happened to us. So they begin to tell me that story. And the more they tell me, the more excited I'm getting. I'm saying, yeah, that is awesome. That is the God I serve. That's how he rolls. He moves in such a way that it has to be him that does it. Only he could do something like that. I said, you got to tell somebody. They said, what? I said, yeah, you got to come up and give a testimony. You need to tell the whole church. And they, they agreed with me right there, so I would shut up. And they told Dustin, uh-uh. I said, bless God, you're going to tell your, I'm going to cut all four of your tires in the parking lot. And they put it on video. Why is that so important? Why should we share what God has done for us? Because somebody sitting in the building with the same need that you have. I wonder, now some, <laughs> some believe, some scholars believe, you remember how old Jairus' daughter was? About 12 years old? What it says, about 12 years old. You know what it says about the woman who had the issue of blood? She had that issue about 12 years. Is it a possibility that this woman was giving birth to this baby girl? And had this issue ever since then, and, and ever since she, she gave birth to this baby girl, she's had this problem? And, and could it be that Jesus was putting the family back together? That's, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not saying it. I'm just, just saying. I wonder. I wonder if this woman's still standing beside Jairus when that servant comes up. And that servant says, Jairus, it's too late. She's already died. Don't bother the master anymore. I can imagine this woman says, don't listen. I've had this issue 12 years. And I didn't do anything but get down and touch the hem of his garment. And he healed me. Don't listen to them. You know, some of y'all have been healed. Some of y'all have been touched. Some of y'all have been, you've had miracles happen in your life and you've kept them to yourself. Selfishness. You need to tell somebody. You need to share what God has done for you because somebody's faith may be fizzling and they may just need what you have to say to give them the courage and the confidence to believe that God can. Because if God did it for you, He can do it for me. Fellowship. We need to walk with Jesus. Write these three words down and I'm going to give you the last one. We're going to pray. I'm out of time. A long time ago. <laughs> Amen. Listen. How do we fellowship with Jesus? Three ways. Through the scriptures. The only way to get, get to know him is to learn about him. Through the scriptures. Through the scriptures. Then B, through worship. <clears throat> through worship. So you don't need to miss church. I don't care if your team won or lost. You should go to church. Say amen. amen. Why? Because there's going to be a day you're going to have a tragedy and you're going to need the presence of God. Are y'all with me? Well, what does church have to do with that? Do you know the Bible says that God inhabiteth the praises of his people? When his people truly come with a heart of worship, when they are broken and they are needy and they come to God and they're so appreciative of what God's already done and they're giving him thanks and they're giving him glory and they're giving him praise, he will show up. He will get on that pew right beside you and say, sick him, that's good. Yeah. He loves your praise. 
And when you begin to praise him, his presence will be felt. And all God's people say it. Then see, prayer and praise. Prayer and praise. I've already talked about that one, so just prayer and praise. Make your prayer request known and praise him when it's done. And I guarantee you, your faith will begin to grow. Your faith will begin to blossom. Your faith will begin to get to a point that any time, if it comes, you say, I know God can do that. No doubt whatsoever. Then lastly, number three. I'm going to just say this and we'll, we'll close. What was number one? In order to have miracle faith, it takes, number one, it takes a... Number two, it takes... Number three, it takes censorship. Censorship. Where do you get that? Look what it says. In... In Luke chapter 8, in verse number 49, they come to Jesus and says, While he yet spake, there cometh one from the ruler of the synagogue's house, saying to them, Thy daughter is dead, trouble not the master. But when Jesus heard it, he answered him, saying, Fear not, believe only. Say that with me. Say it again. And she shall be made whole. Look what happened. They get to the house. They get to the house. And Jesus says, she's going to be all right. She's not dead, but sleepeth. They laughed him to scorn. They are negative. They are critical. They are unbelievers. They are doubters. Verse 54. Read that first line. Say it again. What is the point, preacher? There are some people in your life you need to... There's some negative influences in your life that you don't need in your life. Y'all know them people. And them people, you won't even ask how they're doing because you're afraid they're going to tell you. There's some people, I see them coming, and there ain't no way I'm going to ask because if I ask, I'm going to say, you need to be in the ER, man. You need to be hooked up to a monitor or something. Help me, somebody. And they'll leave you and go to somebody else and ruin their day. So the best thing we can do is go the other way. Hello. Come on. Don't look down. We ain't praying. Come on. Come on. Look this way. Am I telling the truth? You got enough problems to worry about. You got enough issues in your life. You don't need to, listen, you don't need to join the crowd and, and, and be full of negativity. You don't need, especially on Facebook. Come on, somebody. I need a witness right there. Let them say whatever they want to say. Let them do whatever they want to do. Don't you click on and get involved in that because all they're going to do is drag you down to the cellar they're living in. Be positive. Speak positive things. Get around positive people. Don't let negativity drag you down because I'm telling you, negative words will affect your attitude and your attitude will affect your altitude. Amen. Church, say amen. amen. I had to fill it, and this is it. Stand up, stand up, stand up so you'll know I'm serious about dismissing. Stand up. <laughs> stand up. Listen here. <clears throat> and look at me, look at me. I'm telling you, this is it, this is it. Sometimes when we dismiss, everybody just starts putting up. No, no, we ain't. Look at me. Look, 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 look. We're not finished. Look, 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 look. Say it with me. Look, okay. When I was in Christian school, when I was a little bitty kid, when I was a little bitty kid, 
Now, I'm telling you, this had this much of an impact on me that I remember this even since I was a little kid. Brother Sparks came in. You remember Brother Sparks? Brother Sparks came in, and he was teaching, he was teaching chapel service that day. Brother Sparks was a cool dude, man. I'm telling you. He was always positive. He was always, you know, upbeat, that type of thing. And he was wanting us to be that way. It just happened to be, it just happened to be that down in Florida, South Florida, and I know y'all don't believe this, but there are times it gets cold in South Florida. I'm talking about colder mother-in-law's kiss in the middle of the winter in the bottom of a well. Say amen. That's cold, PG. Amen. I mean, it was cold. Ice on it. We, we never really got snow. The closest thing we got snow, Dad would leave the sprinklers on underneath the oak tree, and, 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 and when it freeze, it had icicles hanging from the oak tree. That's about our winter. And, uh, but it was really, really cold. So we're sitting there in chapel, and he's talking about this stuff. He's talking about being positive. He's talking about talking positive and speaking words, positive words, because, because it affects how you think and it affects how you behave. And this is what he said. I'll never forget it. He said, now listen. Now listen, don't say it's cold. And my little brain said, but it is. He said, don't say it's cold. Don't use those words. He said, say this. Say it's a little chilly. And I thought, well, that's stupid. (laughs) Buddy, my teeth are chattering. It's cold. He said, don't. Did you say it's chilly? Because what you say affects how you think. How many times have we spoken negative words first thing in the morning and the rest of your day you had that attitude all day long? Preacher, what are you saying? What I'm saying is this. On the way to your miracle, y'all listening? On the way to your miracle, you're going to run into negative people. You're going to run into people who's going to say, it's too late. You're going to run into people who's going to say, there's no sense in bothering the master any longer. Well, you know what you need to do? You need to do what Jesus did. Put them all out. You're going to run into Martha's that say, he's been dead four days and he stinks by now. You need to put them all out. And say, God, I know it looks hopeless. I know, I know it seems in man's eyes, it just seems impossible. But God, if you'll help me, I'm going to believe the unbelievable. And I guarantee you this, God will move on your behalf. If you want to see your little maiden rise again, you got to put out the negativity and focus on the promise of Christ. And all God's people said, Father, in Jesus' name, I pray for those that need to come forward and trust you as their Savior. I pray for those right now who you are dealing with in their heart. Lord, their heart's beating 100%.